0: It's going to be a wild ride, so buckle yourselves in.
1: Hello and welcome to Stromash, the Scottish NFL podcast episode. 208, as we look back at a scintillating week filled with fascinating, wonderful plays, most of them coming from Mr. Christian McCaffrey. Oh, this is a loving, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready for it. Joined this evening by three of the team, because Paul's away on a Turkish delight and Parson is nowhere in sight. We've got Ian Stephen, Gordon McGuinness, Jamie Borthwick. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Good evening. Hello. How good is Christian McCaffrey, gentlemen? Discuss. It's the only question I'm asking tonight. He's all right.
0: He's <laughs> as good as he's as good as we expected. You still gave up too much for him. <laughs> Actually, on that, to be fair, you're the one on this who said that this was a trade that wasn't good for this year, wasn't for next year, 2024. So imagine how many touchdowns he's going to throw, uh, uh, throw catch and run for in 2024. If you think that's the year this really comes good.
1: He's gonna be uh QB two, RB one, uh wide receiver three, uh tight end four.
0: Joe, you know my my favorite stat coming out of that was was that and it, it actually changed during the game, but Christian McCaffrey had more uh 30 yard, 30 air yard passes outside the numbers completed as a member of the 49ers than Jimmy Garoppolo had in Garoppolo's career with San Francisco. <laughs> and about a quarter later, the, the, the pastor Ross Dwelly was Garoppolo's first 30 plus yard outside the numbers throw.
1: So you just needed someone
0: listen, to show him how to listen, do it. That was it.
2: Listen, listen, I am going to unwantedly insert myself here like a Manchester <laughs> city footballer. Um, we don't care about Kiss McCaffrey. We've talked about the Forty ers We've talked about the Giants, the Eagles, even the Ravens. I think we've been guilty of not showing enough respect to the Minnesota Vikings. They are having an absolutely incredible season, and I think they're going a little bit under the radar, and maybe a disservice has been done to them.
0: Are we looking at a potential Super Bowl team here? I think we are looking at a team that is going to lose three or four games in the regular season and probably gets knocked out in the wild card round by the Packers or the Bucks. The Packers? Seriously? Are they even going to make the playoffs? I, don't, I mean, the NFC is outside of two teams.
3: Yeah. I was love to the Packers until the Packers bit. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I The, the way teams seems I just keep waiting for them to lose. Like it, they they surely are going to run out of steam, um, and be all c- cousinsy at some point, and you know one can only say fair play for going this far and and beating some, all right teams, but at no point, have I thought, oh damn, that's a team that's absolutely going for championships, um. But yeah, fair fair play. They are they've they've got a bit of momentum together, and they've got some very good players around them as well. So. I, I think Kevin
0: O'Connell's done a really good job coaching. Like I, I don't think Kirk Cousins has been that good this year. I think he's been like in that same group of quarterbacks who haven't really got a whole lot going. The Brady's, the Rodgers, I, like I, I think they're surviving right now in good coaching. I just. I, I really struggle to see them going up against a, a Dallas or Philadelphia and winning.
1: Looking at their schedule so far, to be fair, they obviously beat the Packers week one. They then got which,
0: which looks less impressive by the week. Yes, it <laughs> does.
1: They then got quite convincingly beat by the Eagles week two. They edge past the Lions by four points at a, a win that looks worse by the week. The they beat the Saints by three. Um that game of well, that was in London, yeah, was it not? Yes. Um they then beat the Bears by seven. That never looked impressive. They beat the Dolphins, who you know were playing Skylar Thompson yeah, and was Teddy Bridgewater. That, yeah, that was the 1624. So there's that. Um you they then beat the Cardinals, who have been a little bit of in every game that they've played, a little bit of great and a little bit of crap. And I think that that seems to be the the Cardinals under Kyler and Cliff. Right? Is it? Is whether it be a season or whether it be in a game, it's a little bit of good, a little bit of great, a little flash of ooh la la, and then utter horseshite for for fifteen probably... minutes.
2: The, the Vikings just, you, you see ooh la la that just makes me think of like a, a, a woman in the 1940s Parisian dancehall flashing her suspenders at some very excitable German soldiers.
0: <laughs> I don't I don't honestly know how I'm gonna follow that up, but I'm gonna try. Um I think the Vikings, I would probably group them in the same group that I would put in the AFC, like the Ravens, the Dolphins, the Bengals in that I'm struggling to see how you get past the top teams in that conference but you probably have the type of players who you can probably get like a couple of big plays that you maybe get a lucky bounce of the ball. Like Justin Jefferson's tremendous so they go into the playoffs against the Eagles, the Cowboys and it's a game where Justin Jefferson runs right and scores three touchdowns I think they can win and I think hey, they're oh. good enough to do that.
1: I want to go through the remaining games that we've got. So This is is actually a really pertinent point here, right? The remaining games are against the Commanders, the Bills, the Cowboys, the Patriots, the Jets, the Lions, the Colts, the Giants, the Packers and the Bears again. Do we see four defeats in those games as things stand right now? The Bills, the Cowboys. Bills, Bills, Cowboys, Cowboys. Maybe the Giants, if the Maybe Giants giant, can get it together. Uh, the Giants
0: and Packers, they'll lose the second game of the Packers. So
1: if that's the case, then they've lost five, right? Which means yeah. they, hang on, we've got one, two. No, we said four there. Bills, Cowboys, and got one already. Giants, yeah. and uh, Packers. So they would end with five defeats. So that means that to win the division, if that's the outcome, the Packers have to win out from here.
0: I don't, no, no, I think the Vikings win the division. The Packers have put themselves in too much of a hole. But the nightmare scenario for the Vikings there is they might get the Packers in the playoffs. Like they could be, I don't know, 12-5 and five probably isn't enough for the two seed.
2: Yeah, but you got to remember, Gordon, the, the, the Packers in Minnesota is vastly different from the Packers at Lambeau in the, the playoffs. That yeah. edge they've always had just completely dissipates. I would That's take I, you take you take the Vikings over the, the Packers on artificial turf indoors in Minnesota.
3: because like, Minnesotans are getting pretty smug about how uh, rubbish Green Bay have been, and it would be absolutely right, and correct and just desserts if they then got beat by them in the wild card round. That would, that would be quite funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> You're saying they thought about
1: 12 and 5 maybe not being enough for the number two seed. But if we look at the other divisions, no, I, know. South- I, as
0: I As I said it, that's exactly yeah. what I started thinking was like, <laughs> actually, which other division winner outside of the East is finishing better than 12 and 5? Maybe the, the, the Seahawks.
1: Maybe if they go on an amazing run from here, it's, it's possible. I'd, the way I'd, they're
0: playing. I still think that your San Francisco 49ers are probably the favourite to win that division.
1: I mean, I'll accept it, but, you know, you can't take away from the Seahawks, you know, 210 points scored. Their biggest worry is obviously defensively, they're still giving up an awful lot of points. And then eventually someone figures out how to someone figures out what spell uh, Geno Smith has cast, which devil uh, at which crossroads a deal has been done uh with then possibly they can try and undo that good work but at the maybe, moment yeah, maybe he was winning.
0: always maybe he was always good and he was just, it just shite nfl teams yeah there <laughs> is <there's... laughs> it I mean, has hap- it's happened in the past where
2: you've had um quarterback shift vintage quarterbacks and then all of a sudden they start going on Super Bowl winning runs. I think the the Raiders in the 70s that, that um happened with quite a lot. Um maybe it's a case of um we were spoiled with quarterbacks coming in like Andrew Luck that just immediately went under centre and they were great. Maybe uh, we're we're back in the system of in the 1980s where you needed to wait two or three years before a a quarterback can fully develop any system and then you can start evaluating. Looking at Tua,
0: looking at Jalen Hurts. I mean... Gino Smith, he had to wait nine years though, which I don't think is ever on anyone's mind. He plan, was, he, he, was he was spent the first six
2: years <laughs> of his career getting into betting-related arguments with linebackers, um, and he wasn't able to flourish as he was picking his jaw up and taking it into the orthopedic surgeon.
1: <laughs> forgotten about that. <laughs> um, yes, I'd forgotten about that. Um, it's def- do you know it's a really interesting conversation to kick us off. The Vikings, I think, have a very good chance at that number two seed. Uh, And then obviously going to in the postseason. As it stands, the teams from the NFC in the postseason uh, are the obviously the Eagles. As it stands, the Eagles, the Seahawks, the Vikings, and the Falcons as division winners. And then your wild card teams are the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Niners. I mean, what? <laughs> like that's it's wild. It's wild. Nobody was. Predicting that. There's there's nobody has put that down. There's nobody put Falcons, Vikings, Seahawks, and Eagles as their divisional winners. The, I don't think the, that's
0: happened. the C, the Seahawks being a playoff team. It, if they make the playoffs this year, it is honestly going to be one of the biggest surprises to me in NFL history. Like I I was the the most confident I was in in a division place in this upcoming season was Seahawks finishing fourth in that division.
3: But all these teams. It's, it's not because anyone's absolutely excelling, though. Really, is it? It's because everyone's not very good. Yes, there's only yeah. a couple of very good teams here, and and so teams like the Seahawks and uh, the Giants are just being coached well, and that is just enough to get their noses into the mix. Um, it's such a strange season because you're used to seeing. The best beating out the best, and now what you're really seeing is um, we've cobbled this together, and who's managed to bang them into shape the most um, is probably going to have a tilt at the postseason. So it's it's not like I can't think of many NFL seasons like this where where you're 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 not seeing brilliance on a weekly basis. It's still compelling, but we're really not seeing the best football um of the last kind of 10 20 yeah, years. Yeah, we're
0: not we're not getting a lot of big plays either. What I what I find fascinating is if you look at like Super Bowl odds just now. The top 3 would surprise no one, I don't think. The Bills are the favorites at 13 to 5. The Eagles second favorites at 5 to 1. Chiefs third favorite at 13 to 2 13 to 2. And then from 13 to 2 you jump all the way to 12 to 1 and that's the 49ers. The Ravens are 14 and 1, the Vikings are 14 and 1, the Cowboys are 16 and 1. Like the Bengals, 30 to 1. There's all this to get to the Giants, who are Giants and Seahawks, it's 66 to 1, which tells you that Vegas still doesn't have any faith. But wait where I'd probably question Vegas and say that those are probably both both not terrible bets is I think if you're basing your opinion on the Seahawks and Giants on oh, I think they probably come back to the pack a little bit just because coming into the season, it didn't feel like they were going to be that good. Mm-hmm. To Jamie's point, the way the NFL set up this year, and we spoke about it in this podcast a few weeks ago, the way defenses are playing, whereby they're using more cover two and they're kind of covering things off deep, and they're, everything's that kind of short middle of the field area, that's taken away the thing that allowed the good teams to go out and go up by twenty points and you know stretch a game far ahead,
2: except for Miami because Tariq Hill's on course for a two thousand yards uh, receiving season. They're they're the outlier, but there's yeah. been there's been two key moments that I think has flipped the script in the NFC. Number one, Dak broke his thumb. Number two, Tom Brady broke his heart, <laughs> and
1: and his tablet.
2: Yeah, and you thought the the you thought the Cowboys would be pushing the Eagles really really heavily, but obviously Dak being out, it, it, it they still did well though when he was out. But um, and the 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 Buccaneers looked like a complete and utter shell of what they were, even though Brady's statistically he's been efficient as a quarterback. They're not as Gordon's saying they're not pushing the ball down the field and they're not as explosive, and that's why they're they're losing games. Hmm. So. I mean, the NFC is not going to script, but the AFC clearly is. With the Chiefs and the Bills dominating, the Bills just looked absolutely superb in their last game. Their defensive line was
0: just amazing. And yeah, it's the Bills, the Chiefs, and then if you're Everyone the Ravens, else. if you're the Ravens, Dolphins, Bengals, you probably need to throw the Browns in that mix, depending on how they look when a certain quarterback comes back, like. They're all teams that can go on a run, but they just need a bit of luck. That's what the, the Ravens trade this week both irritated me because I hate giving up second round picks for running backs and linebackers. But part of me that quite likes it is that like Roquan Smith makes plays. He also has terrible plays and he makes a ton of mistakes, but he makes plays. And if you're the Ravens right now and you're thinking about January, January, you probably need to accept the fact that on paper, you're not as good as the Chiefs or the Bills. So in those games, you probably need a big you got go to go hunting. Player. you got to yeah. go hunting. Well, I,
2: the, I, le- I, listen, if you've got Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes as your opponents, you have a player in there that's the spy that, that just shadows them. And you can't do it with safety with Allen because you'll just barrel over him. So Raquan Smith would be the perfect player for the Ravens to use as a spy on either of those two quarterbacks if they meet them
0: in the, the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, and obviously it means less reliance on Patrick Queen, which you all know I have very weak, weak thoughts. I've never said a strong word either way about Patrick <laughs> Queen. He's done all
1: right at times, Patrick Queen. Maybe he... He's- he-
0: he has been trade, better. This, been trade better. Is, this trade is this trade's good for him as well because yeah. what he's really good at is like just playing forward and attacking downhill. What he's not good at is reading and reacting. And the Ravens have needed him to try and read and react. If you can take that off him, then you can use him. He, he might be the best blitzing linebacker. Not it's too early
1: for blitzing. That's that's a December podcast trope. Not
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, moving moving (laughs) swiftly on. What do we need to get to, weekly awards? (laughs) Yeah, let's do our weekly awards as I derail it.
1: Okay, into our uh, Loch Lomond belter. And there's a few different nominations for this, to be honest, because there was some pretty big weeks for players, let's be honest. A couple of nominations for A.G. Brown. Ryan Johnson says three touchdowns, 156 yards, and showed how good he is often in double coverage. Alvin Kamara gets one from Stuart Fletcher. Broke his touchdown drought this week with a hat trick. Uh, Justin Fields gets one for his decision to demonstrate the future draft prospects how to perform the vertical jump in the middle of the game against Dallas, allowing Micah Parsons to get up untouched and run to the end zone and allow Dallas to score the most points by any team single game this season. I think that's a tongue-in-cheek nomination for Justin Fields. Um, Lauren, what, what, we don't like gave, that sort of behaviour.
0: What, what gave it away? <laughs>
1: <laughs> there is then a plethora of... Uh, nominations for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, some is Christian McCaffrey, some is CMC. Ross Taylor simply says, triple threat. Who knew? Uh, David Roseborough says, complete performance. I wonder if the 49ers without Debo might like lack spark, but absolutely not the case. Shout out to Dak and the Cowboys' offense as well, though. Ross Sterling says, yes, let's give Cameron his moment. It has to be CMC. A passing, receiving, and rushing touchdown in the game He really does do it all. Not to mention the pass to Ayuk was a dime. Also perspective, it took Jimmy G 30 games to get to his first passing touchdown with over 30 yards, and it took CMC two. Maybe he is the better quarterback. Exactly echoing the point you said, Gordon. Uh, One nomination for Dante Foreman, Alex uh, Candlish says, powering me through my latest fantasy matchup after a cheap waiver pickup fantasy picks once again, featuring in our Belter nomination, Steve Briggs gives the only nomination of the week to Derek Henry for doing what he does against the Texans, rush for over 200 yards and two touchdowns, the fourth time in a row against them. I'm going to stop there. Is the fact that there's only one nomination for Derek Henry, given what he's just done, just that we've come to expect that of Derek Henry and also... It was against the Texans. Texans. How
0: exactly many? How, yeah? How many nominations were there for two?
1: I, I will come to that. Uh, there are a few, because
0: <laughs> that was going to be my point. Is I bet you he doesn't get many because he was phenomenal, but it was against the Lions, that... so
1: he got a few. Um, but before we get to that, Patrick Wilson gives it to the Falcons. Panthers carnage. The NFC South has rightly taken some stick for being honking this year, but served up a thriller on Sunday, which basically carried the early window of red zone in terms of drama and entertainment. Miles Garrett gets one for his Halloween costume, which was insane, says Reese Nunes. That sort of effort requires recognition. Jason Hoffman, Homer pick here. He gives it to Stephon Diggs. He jawed, he caught, he conquered. Six catches for 108 yards and a touchdown. Lots of trash talk. Antagonized Jair Alexander and the rest of the Green Bay DBs and walked away with the win. And all done with the innocence of a baby. Who me? Trash talk. Not I. Brilliant. The Eagles gets one from Paddy Kelly. Uh, perfect season. Looks a real possibility given their next few games. The NFC is poor outside them. And maybe the Niners, if they're fully f- health. Sorry. The NFC is poor outside them and maybe the Niners if they're at full health. They've made brilliant trades in the last few years and look like contenders for the foreseeable. Tony Pollard gets one from Peter Coyne. Talk about sticking it to ownership. After being talked in all season, you get handed the ball alone to be the bell cow and you absolutely nailed it. Travis Etienne gets a couple. Um... Stephen Bryson says maybe a surprise is Jags lost, but he put them on his back after the trade of Robinson to the Jets, over 160 yards, averaging six a carry. Great to see after losing his rookie year to injury, though not being subjected to Urban Bayer may have been a bonus for him. Then there are four nominations for Tua. Kenny Law says, another great performance from him this season. He's 5-0 when he hasn't been smashed in the head. 382 yards, three touchdowns, keeps proving his doubters wrong. Uh, Tyler Lockett gets one from Paul McDonough. Uh, two big mistakes against the Giants, and bounces back with a 30-yard touchdown catch from Geno Belter off a bounce back and win for the Hawks. And then Joe Stephen finally gives one nomination to Tyreek Hill. Hill is on pace to set a new NFL record in receiving yards. Is he elbowing his way into the MVP conversation?
0: Probably not. It's probably because no,
1: Christian McCaffrey way. is going to be the MVP.
2: Sure, Hi. Yeah. Well, I mean, did did um, Calvin Johnson win the MVP for getting his outstanding receiving season? It doesn't go to anybody
1: other than no. quarterbacks. Because so. that, that's his job. He's just got to catch the ball and run lots.
0: I, I do think <laughs> what what the Dolphins have done in order to like surround Tua with talent has been really impressive. Like Jalen Waddell and then following that up with Tyreek Hill. just a ridiculous amount of speed.
1: It is. There's options there. And it's interesting that they've come and got Jeff Wilson um, to add to the backfield. You know, give away Chase Edmonds, go and get Bradley Chubb. They're they're stacking up talent. There's been lots of correlations about the, the effectiveness that they've used. They're trading down and you know, get extra first round picks and turned it into talent, not by going into the draft necessarily all the time, but going and using that for proven players, which we've seen in the case of the Rams work sometimes, you know, you don't need picks to make a great team over the next few years. You just need clever business decisions uh, and picking up the right players for the right price. And it feels like right now they're doing really good business. That front office should be absolutely commended on what they've done. And I think they're getting a lot of praise rightly uh, in the social and media circles. Who is the belter this week though? We need to pick someone.
0: Just give it to McCaffrey so that we don't need to discuss running backs when we get to the team of the week. (laughs) So that we don't need, because otherwise we've got to listen to you talk about McCaffrey for two minutes now. And then when we talk about running backs, we need to listen to you talk about him for another two minutes. Just give him the belter award and save ourselves the effort.
1: Is it unfair to give him that belt or award?
2: No, I, I think it's justified.
1: <laughs> Jamie, could you add some enthusiasm to this?
3: Uh, uh, it was quite a good throw. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Honestly, shower of pricks. Well, I'm raising a glass because Christian McCaffrey, and I bet it's not the last time I say this. Fuck, he's going to get injured now. Raise a glass to you, you are the Loch Lomond Belter of the week. Into Bowfin, um, there is a few different nominations here, to be honest. The there's there's one particular team gets the target more than any others, but in the rare occasion where someone in the podcast gets abused, we always like to jump on that first, right? That's first thing we talk about so the only member of the podcast to get a nomination this week is mr gordon mcginnis um patrick wilson patrick watson says a few episodes ago gordon was trying to stop cameron from nominating russell wilson for the Bowfing award i think nearly everyone would agree wilson's increasingly cringy antics week on week deserve ridicule let cameron tee off i say knowing that gordon will be raging at this nomination in good spirit I shall offer up Charles Patterson for the bonus Bouffing Award for going AWOL from the, point, from the podcast while his beloved Green Bay do their best Chicago Bears impression.
0: Second one is absolutely fine. <laughs> first one, though, I, I'll take, I'll take Baufing nominations every day of the week. But to be clear, the reason why the people who listen to this podcast aren't subjected to your once every two days WhatsApp sent the whatsapp (laughs) channel russell wilson breathes and oh look at this guy he's an idiot and i hate him like that's why that's why it gets annoying when you complain about him because it's all you do (laughs) The people on the podcast don't get that
1: rich content you get you should consider yourself lucky gordon honestly um right into the actual nominations um so Amari Cooper gets one for Long Callahan. The pass on end around has no hope of going to any receiver given he was under extreme pressure uh, as the Bengals. D hadn't been fooled by the play. He should have either tried to minimize the loss yardage or throw the ball out of bounds. It was a terrible, ter- he went, Oh, and McCaffrey could do it. Oh, shite. No, it's not that easy. Um, Brees Nunes gives it to the Colts. Fumbles, so many now I'm tempted to get a jersey with a total number. When people ask me who McFumbles is, I can say I represented the whole sodden team, even Jonathan Bloody Taylor. Which, by the way, is one of, the I think, the best nomination this week, right? Eddie Double Donk Piniero gets a couple of nominations. Um, Darren Barry simply says, how many attempts to win a match? Really? Yes, um, not a good look for him. Ross Taylor gives it to the Jags. I didn't see much this week uh, with going to the Wembley game, but Jags kind of gave this away. The Broncos, well, Wilson looked terrible, but managed to sneak it. Uh, Doogie Kloss gave it to the Jags defense. The Broncos are atrocious on, on, on offense. And the only reason that they won on Saturday was down to the Jags D, especially in the second half. I could see Dulcic freely roaming around the pitch with no one covering him. And even Russell Wilson, could find him. I reckon that even Cam could have found him because he was so open, and as a result, uh, gets his one throwing, a uh, one-yard throwing in the NFL. See. Look at this, people coming to bat for me. Dougie Kloss, I appreciate your appreciation. A couple of nominations for Justin Fields. Again, the opposite, jumping over Micah Parsons rather than touching him down after his fumble recovery was a stupid moment. Um, Malafleur gets one. His insistence on running the ball, give the balls the win. 203 yards on the ground is an impressive stat, but it's sure chewed up time off the clock. Leslie Frazier expected the passing attack, hence he keeps. Kept the nickel D on the field. Von Miller expected the passing game to come to life. Hell, even Aaron Rodgers expected it to start, but not Matt run the ball. Lafleur, two hundred and three yards is a great stat, but not as impressive as the twenty-seven points versus seventeen for the Bills. Sarah Ross gives it to the NFL UK Facebook page. Now that Ooh. the UK games, now that the UK games are done, it's just an absolute whinge fest on that page. The queues, the prices, the other fans. Anything they can bitch about, they do. Why not just enjoy the fact we didn't have to travel to America, although after driving 1,260 miles this weekend, I'd be quicker flying to the States and back for a game. I know I should leave the page, but it's a source of entertainment every week when Game Pass isn't working. Brackets, I also appreciate the irony of me moaning about them. Haha. <laughs> ha. I, I,
0: I think it's fair to complain about that. Sometimes you do need to complain about behaviour at those games. I did see there was a thread about... Um, there was uh, a guy in a, in a children's Tim Tebow jersey throwing prawn sandwiches from the <laughs> upper levels.
1: Uh, we've seen them throwing as well. They didn't make it beyond the upper levels either. They just they the row in front. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There, Russell Wilson gets one from Alex Candlish, tanking country, let's ride. Um, The Packer front office, Olivia Ramage, because they did not sign anybody for the Tuesday deadline and are so bloody stubborn. It drives us fan insane. Zach Wilson gets one from David Roseborough. Almost didn't pick him because he's only a wee laddie, but not sure a single player has been quite so individually responsible for a loss this season. And then everything else. uh, Oh, hang on. Stephen Bryson gives it to the Rams fans. I missed this one in the middle. When your biggest rival comes to town, you need to make things uncomfortable for them. The Rams lay out the red carpet, estimated of 80% of the stadium taken by Niners fans. At least the team gave them a performance they deserve. Not sure this would happen in any other stadium. Uh, and then pretty much every other one is if for... Somebody's
3: never been to the Tony Macaroni Arena. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was going to say, we're a Scottish NFL podcast. I think we've got a league up here that <laughs> specialises in when you can fill your stadium just not with your own fans.
1: A very valid point. Uh, everything else is for the Raiders. Uh, there's loads here, you know. Uh, not to score a point, always shocking. They were just back from this week, first shout-out since 2014. Back from performance, not much more. More need said. Combination of Brian Dando, Stuart Fletcher, Kenny Law. However, I'm going to try and read this out, and I've not read it out, so this could be a shambles. But Gavin Newlands, where do I start? Quite simply, the most embarrassing performance I've seen in many, many years. Offensive line, non-existent. Derek Carr, awful although his O-line did him no favours. Defence, unacceptably poor. Even Big Max was quiet. Patrick Graham is on course to even worse than Paul Gunther, and that is saying something. However, my main gripe is with Josh McDaniels. My concern going into the season was his leadership skills. At no point did I think I'd be questioning his offensive guru play-calling on a weekly basis. We get huge success with the run, and he goes away from it far too quickly. Again, when the O line cannot protect, we end up in we end up in such a hole that we've just become past first, which simply exacerbates the issue. I'm not for trading all our decent players, but we've got a lot of pieces, and we need one or two in key places. The O line being one, and we're a team ready to win now with the right coaching and leadership. Time will tell if McDaniel's can it. Sorry about the length of this, but I'm massively pissed off. And I think that sums up, right? There's a lot going on there. There is a lot of talent. There's, you know, let's not trade away. Um, he talks about, actually in what brackets he says about Raider Nation has been talking about trading away the entire roster. Um, it's not necessarily what they need to do. They need to firm things up. But that was a terrible performance against the Saints team that's not been great this season at all.
0: Just don't think they're that good. I think because the you can you can say it in 400 words, or you can say it in a very few. They're not particularly good. Josh McDaniels isn't a good coach, Derek Carr's probably not a particularly good quarterback. That's
3: it. I think, is we it? Really got the um the, 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 the background music from the big speech from Independence Day when you were <laughs> reading that out, it would have been <laughs> even better.
1: Let me see what I can do in the edit. Um,
2: no, Jamie, you can't say Independence Day to Gavin. You'll get excited.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, who gets bow for another week? Let's just pick a winner. Is it the Raiders? There's so I many nominations.
2: I I'm really, really irritated by Justin Fields jumping over. Micah Parsons when he threw that I mean that really saw at the time and I'm just like oh I want to give a damn so bad for doing that but he had a great game he played really well but if you throw the interception make a tackle it's a golden rule of quarterback, and you wouldn't see Jim Kelly jumping over somebody would Jim Kelly be able to
1: jump over anybody
2: Jim Kelly would have taken out a knife <laughs> made sure he was down
0: I, uh, the other one, did I miss any nominations for the Bengals?
2: No, just just the odd nomination. It's either, um, uh, Fields or it's Gordon McGuinness. It's one of the two. (laughs) two (laughs) The
0: the Bengals were atrocious on Monday night. Evan Mc, Evan Mc, uh, he's called Evan McPherson on this podcast. He is McPherson. McPherson, Evan Evan McPherson, who we've had to listen to Bengals fans be like, oh, he's, he's as good as Justin Tucker. Like, no, he's not. Sorry. (laughs) It's not.
2: Cameron, can I yes. just ask, what's that you're drinking there? Uh, it's a lovely
1: single malt. Who's the Who's the, the distiller? Uh, it is Loch Lomond Whiskies. Oh, I've not heard of them. Could you tell me more? <laughs> um, they are a fantastic single malt whiskey creator with a long and esteemed history. Uh, we're lucky enough to have a relationship with Loch Lomond Whiskies here at the Stramash podcast. Um, we also worked with them when we were the NFL Scotland podcast. Uh, and we've got whiskey that we're giving away in just momentarily, actually, Ian. Um, well, I did see your nomination, so you can't win. But if you put a nomination in each week for our Belter Award, you actually go into the draw In this podcast. We pick one winner, and they win a great bottle of limited edition stromash podcast. Well, do you see Christmas, Whiskey. Christmas is coming up, and my
2: dad's a big whiskey fan. Is it, is it possible I could actually purchase one of these bottles as a Christmas gift?
1: You can guarantee yourself a bottle. Absolutely, by going on and visiting Loch Lomond Whiskies and searching for the Stromash bottle. In fact, you can even go to the Stromash podcast Twitter account because there'll be some links on there for you as well. You can even buy to the tumblers with the Stromash logo, the Loch Lomond whiskeys logo. And that's what I'm drinking out tonight because it's a great glass to drink out of. Beautiful. And just to confirm, a uh, tumbler is a Chinese acrobat in the circus. Indeed. Um... That reminds me, there was one other nomination for Belter uh, that I didn't talk about. Brian please, Haxton. Please let, it, please let it be from China, please. It's no, <laughs> from Brian Haxton who nominated Nice Smooth Drink um, because would love to win a bottle of whiskey for Christmas. Well, if you're listening to this, Brian, you can you don't need to worry about winning. You could go buy one. Go buy one. There's a very limited I'm, number of I'm, assuming, I'm assuming if
2: it's like a NFL Stramash
1: Whiskey it's going to be £200, £300 pounds. it must be expensive for people to purchase Do you know what, it's probably worth that Ian but you can get it because we've got this special arrangement you can get a bottle for just £50 pounds, and if you want to get the two tumblers that's £60 pounds. <laughs> and there's no import charge on them either My granny
2: used to say tumbler what age are you? It's just... Tumbler it's a Tumbler
1: Do a Tumbler's a glass <laughs> It's two tumblers. <laughs> Dude, anyway, right. Um, uh I'm giving it to the Raiders. I don't even care what you all think, clowns. Right. There's a circus theme tonight. Um, do, do,
2: team- do, you keep, do you keep your tumblers in a scullery?
1: <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. And I right, buy them so, from the haberdashery. Right Gordon, that's right. right,
2: Gordon McGinnis wins the Byfin.
1: Yeah, agreed. Right. Uh, I need to... Pick a winner then to give away a bottle of whiskey, as you alluded to there, Ian. So, Jamie Borthwick, you get the honour tonight. I'm going to give you a number between 1 and 52. 37. 37. Which
3: Congratulations.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's, so it's and this will soothe his pain for the rest of the season as to what, as he has to watch his shite raiders lose week after week. Gavin Newlands is number
2: thirty-seven. <laughs> oh, I hope we've created work for him. I hope he's got. To, I hope he's got to <laughs> clear this on the, the members' benefits page. We can actually log <laughs> in to Parliament and find out if we actually have Stramash bottle of whiskey listed <laughs> by Gavin on on the House of Commons website. I'm going to even tweet. Jacobs with Mog, and <laughs> have a look at it, and Mog will do it because he's such a politic goofball. He'll be infuriated that he's receiving stromash whiskey.
1: So I like it. Making a Raiders fan do extra admin. Yep, yeah, absolutely. That's very funny. I love how fate does stuff like that. Anyway, there you go. Uh, thank you to everyone that take part. Genuinely, there's an opportunity to win every single week. Please take part, and again, thank you very much to Loch Lomond for their continued support and celebration. On to Team of the Week now. Um, And as we alluded to, and as Gordon said, there's one position in particular that we can just not bother talking about because we always say that the Belter winner, if it is a player, goes straight into the team, meaning that our running back this week is one Christian McCaffrey. I'm delighted to see him in there.
3: Um, a mad week for running backs, though. Any other week, it could have been any of four or five.
1: It it, it genuinely could have. It was a mad week. You look at... I mean, Derek Henry, 219 yards and two touchdowns. You know, absolutely huge performance. Travis Etienne, um, 156 yards against the Broncos D that have actually been pretty good against the run. Um, Tony Pollard, 131 yards and three touchdowns. Just... uh, They're like, um, they're like Buffalo
2: when they had Furman Thomas and Kenneth Davis. Um, Pollard, oh my God. See if he actually was getting 20 to 30 carries a, a, a week, he would be in the
1: stratosphere with these numbers. I think this might be a bigger turning point for the, or it could be for Dallas's season than Dak coming back. If they realize that Pollard's the better running back, because I genuinely think he looks to be it. And everyone if he is treated... It.
0: For
3: yeah. weeks, everyone else has been saying it. It's wild. I don't know if they're just saying one thing in public and another thing behind closed doors, but it seems quite apparent that Paul Hart is the best running back they've got there.
1: Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, another one is Dante Foreman. Dante Foreman, what a great week that he had for the Panthers. 118 yards and three touchdowns. Great performance. You know, obviously, we talked about Christian McCaffrey. The Panthers, for losing a player of his calibre, have not had much hassle replacing him. So, you know, I don't know if that says a lot. It says a lot in the sense that, you know what, to Gordon's point, and Gordon's away answering the phone at the moment, and I feel like I'll give him a a hat tip or a compliment while he's away so he doesn't bloody hear it. Oh, he's he he's, 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 he's ordered a bottle of whiskey from Loch Lomond. He was <laughs> so excited by that that news that we gave him. Straight on to it. Excellent. Um, but he rightly said, you know, you can plug and play some of these players, especially running backs, and they can do things. Uh, and they can perform because the 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 schemes are set up to, for success. Uh, so therefore, you know, that talent is quite... It's not universal, but, you know, you can take an average running back and then a good scheme, make them perform really well. I think for me, coming back around to the McCaffrey thing, is McCaffrey showed something that Jeff Wilson couldn't do, which was the performance that he had against the Rams. Jeff Wilson was not doing those three plays. He may have done the running play, fine. He wasn't doing... The, the receiving catch down and he certainly wasn't thrown for one. I don't think so. Yeah. Fine. Anyway, we need to pick our quarterback for this week though. Um, and if we look at some of the top performers this week, we talked about the fact that Tua got a couple of nominations, um, obviously has, you know, played very well when he's not been getting absolutely mullered Um, And, you know, it had the most stats was 382 yards, three touchdowns, passer rating of 138. The second highest is Zach Wilson. (laughs) Then it's Kyler Murray. This is just yards, obviously. Um, Tom Brady, Jared Goff, PJ Walker. That's the only quarterbacks to throw for over 300 yards. If you, look, if
2: you look in terms of efficiency, though, Jalen Hurts had a better passing rate than Tua. Garoppolo only had four passes that weren't com- complete. Yeah. He had an outstanding game. Uh, Justin Fields played really well, though, with kind of limited yardage. But surprisingly, Andy Dalton had a really good game as well. Um, in terms of actual just passing efficiency, some really, really good passes. Uh, Marcus Mariota as well. Um, I think it's between Jalen Hurts and Tua, though. To be honest, it's the the two players that battled it out for the Alabama hot seat, and I think it's between the two of them this week as well. Um, I don't know if Jalen's uh, stats are slightly inflated by how good AJ Brown was, though, whenever the ball was near him.
1: Um, I, if we look at it, you know, obviously the the rating, and I'm looking at ESPN for these, but Tua's is 138.7, Hurts is 140.6. Hurts threw one more touchdown, took one more sack. Tua threw for about 100 more yards. He completed 29 of 36, whereas Jalen Hurts completed 19 of 28. Gordon's just come back. Jordan uh, Gordon will give you the cast and the vote. Who Team of the week, quarterback Tua. Tua. Oh, okay, fine.
0: I think, I think Tua this week was probably as good as any quarterback's been this season.
1: Even though it was against the Lions, as you said yourself. Yeah. fine. Um, bye. So we've got McCaffrey in at running back. We need three wide receivers. Obviously, if you're looking at Tua, it's very Tyree difficult Kill. not to look Yeah, Tyree Kill. Um, stat leader for the week 188, 188 yards off of 12 receptions. No touchdowns, though. No touchdowns. I think uh, I
2: think D Hop's got to be in there. Um twelve catches, hundred and fifty-nine yards, and one of those catches was just an absolute oh my god moment. Um good yep. to see him him back. Oh, yes. Um I think you've got to give the other one to AJ Brown as well for his his three touchdowns, and I think he's frustrated. It should have been four. He just got ankle tackled when he was running away from the, the defense. But um, his celebration as well uh, after his third one was hilarious. Although it did draw a flag for Taunton. <laughs>
1: yes. Um Fine. So, Edgy Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill. Is there anyone else gets into this conversation? DJ Moore was pretty good. 152 yards, six catches,
0: and again costing helmet removal.
3: Yeah, absolutely screwed it though.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Amari Cooper would have maybe been in the mix more had he had the not thrown that, that honking interception.
0: That was a tremendous throw to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, fuck, I'll just throw it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. Fine. I don't think there's anyone else on that list that you could really argue to. I, I would bring my Alvin Kamara conversation in because he actually did more as a receiver than he did as a running back. But Joe Threat but, nope. uh, yeah, fine. It's Tyreek Hill. Okay. Fine. Uh, we didn't pick our offensive line, actually. So we need to look at which offensive line this week we think was the best. Now, obviously, you look at the performance of Derrick Henry and you've got to say that the Titans had a very, very good week. Um, You look down the list as well, and Andy Dalton, you know, look at what the the Saints offensive line did against the Raiders. Raiders been really poor as well, but Kamara had a massive day on the ground through the air. Andy Dalton wasn't sacked. You know, if you, you look down the quarterback, he's the, he's the first quarterback that you come to 17 on the list for total yards that wasn't sacked. In fact, looking down the list, I think he's the only quarterback that wasn't sacked this weekend. Do we give it to the Saints?
3: It's very just coincidence. I feel like every time I'm on here, I'm nominating the Saints o Line. <laughs> uh, but once, once again, they have done an absolutely exceptional job. So, yeah, that's that's probably who I put forward. Any objections? Fine with
0: that. Fine. No, fine with it. them Them are the them are the Titans. So I don't really care.
1: Yeah. So Saints Soul Line manages to get it in. So all we need to do now is pick ourselves a tight end.
0: I'm wondering
2: if we should go for Kyle Pitts this week because he's he's woken up slightly after having a very disappointing start to the season. Five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown.
0: No, we should not.
1: Uh, what about Greg Dulcich, who had a big game and what was only his third game in the NFL, I think? 87 yards or four receptions was a yard away from a touchdown. Very it's, impressive.
0: It, it's an interesting point. Also incorrect, though.
1: What about Tyler Conklin? Obviously, for the Jets against the Patriots, two touchdowns uh, and seventy-nine yards.
0: Interesting. I would also say
1: no. Uh, I can only assume that you're pitching in then for TJ Hawkinson, who is the only other tight end that really feels relevant to talk about. Eighty yards off for of three receptions. Didn't get a touchdown though.
0: I, I feel like I feel like the tight end we put in should be someone who caught at least six passes, scored a touchdown, and was a really good run blocker in the game. Oh, Tyler, my...
1: Tyler Conklin? No. We mentioned him, you dismissed him.
0: It's, uh, it's Ravens rookie Isaiah Likely. He was <laughs> fucking brilliant on Thursday night. That's it. Um,
1: he was very good. Um, and given... How significant Mark Andrews is as the player in that team. He played a very big part and ultimately won, whereas Conklin didn't, Hawkinson didn't. So, you know, contributed to a victory. I am willing to allow it if nobody objects. Do we have quorum?
0: As long have, as God, do we have quorum? Yes. Well, 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 that's this podcast done. That that's, nice. that's the moment the podcast finished.
3: I've really i really liked the guy's name ever since I saw him as a as a draft prospect, so I I'll allow it. Excellent. Excellent. Why is why is the bit where we had quorum? Why
1: is that the bit that we got done?
0: There's, like for absolute hosh flat <laughs> Committee nonsense word is that. In fact, I know it's a posh flat committee but because the people that live in our block of flats think they're a posh flat committee, and they use words like quorum. Do, do we, we, there's there's six of us here. We have quorum. Just say they're sexy there. That's enough. That's that,
1: that. <laughs> anyway. Right. Okay. There you go. So, team of the week, gentlemen. Who to are Tunga Viola? is our quarterback.
0: How could you still not pronounce his name properly?
1: <laughs> it's a bet now. It's just a bet. Right. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is our running back. We have got the Saints O-line protecting them. Uh, his targets are A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, and DeAndre Hopkins. And Isaiah likely is his tight end. It's a decent team. On to week nine then, gentlemen, and let's first of all hear from our good friends way up north. The Winnefel show are back once again with their upset of the week.
4: Welcome to the Outer Hebrides, I'm your host Dean McKinnon and last week we had picked the Arizona Cardinals over the Minnesota Vikings but Kurt Cousins prevailed and the Vikings came away with the win there so what we're going to do for this week, we're going to hand over to our man in the field Callum Blaine, he should be there, C- can you hear us Callum?
2: Yes, I can hear you, I'm here in the Golden Nugget Hotel and Casino with none other than the King of Rock and Roll himself, Elvis Presley Elvis, how are you doing?
1: Like my mommy sent
2: blow
4: in it. Thank you very much.
2: Now, Mr. Presley, you know the score by now. What is going to be the upset of the week
4: in the NFL? Oh, yeah, man. It's, uh, it's all rock and roll, man. You know, like my mommy too blow in Graceland, you know, just taking care of business, man. 110%. percent uh, they really important, big lessons, you know, and I try not to, try to uh, hurt my family. I find it. Oh, you know, uh, in the ghetto. Thank you very much. Well, ladies
2: and gentlemen, according to Mr. Presley, the Washington Commanders are going to defeat the Minnesota Vikings this week. Back to you guys.
4: Well, doubling down on the Vikings, the Washington Commanders over the Minnesota Vikings. This is another bold claim and for Washington to be even thinking of winning this one is going to be very, very difficult for them. The Minnesota Vikings with that win last week over Arizona have stretched a five game winning streak. They are six and one. But the Commanders themselves are on a three game winning streak with that one point victory over the Colts last week. And I think the story of this one is going to be the defences. This Minnesota defence has allowed Nearly 2,000 yards and 69% completion through the air. And those near 2,000 yards have come in just seven games for the Vikings. Now, the thing is that a defense like this that the Vikings have, it's got the names on the team. The other thing against the run, this Vikings defense, I mean, it's ranked sixth in the NFL. It's allowing 4.2 yards per carry, just over 100 yards per game. They need to be able to slow down this Washington attack. If they can shut the run down game, force carry. Carson Wentz, to throw the ball at them. Wentz will be looking to his receivers, the likes of Terry McLaurin, obviously. And we're just going to have to see what he can do, because this season, Carson Wentz, he's got a 62.1% completion 10 touchdowns, 6 interceptions it's not the best but it's certainly not the worst and this Vikings defence as we've already alluded to have allowed a lot of yards through the air. If they do force Carson Wentz to throw the ball on them the reason this Vikings defence is allowing so many yards through the air is because Kirk Cousins is putting up some numbers he's throwing touchdowns, he's throwing yards, the Vikings are getting ahead and they've got Dalvin Cook on the ground now the thing is that it's going to be a very very tough game for the Washington Commanders but there are cracks in this Vikings defense and if that can be exploited by the commanders then i think we could see a real upset so vegas tells us that the commanders are going to win this one well well let's see what's going to happen we're going to hand it back over to the guys at the stramash podcast
1: great to hear from the guys there at the NFL show on to week nine, then. What are the big stories that you're interested in watching? What are the games that you'll be tuning into? What are the ones that didn't buzz you? Uh,
3: who's worse, the Raiders or the Jaguars?
1: Wow, yes, this is an interesting shit off um, in no. the early in the early shift.
3: Um, I thought I thought both of them would be all right this season, um, and I, I know shit all. <laughs> It's,
1: if you look at the early slate of games, there isn't necessarily a lot of intrigue there other than potential banana skins for teams that we would expect to do well. I think that's the only thing, you know, you're looking at upsets here. So you're looking at, do the Lions beat the Packers here? Because even though the Packers have been rank rotten, I think they still go in as heavy favorites. Can the Jets sneak a win against the Bills? Could the Commanders... Knock the Vikings, who we've just tipped to to only lose four more games over the rest of the season. The Panthers are up against the Bengals. How do they bounce back from Monday night? The Dolphins, can they beat the Bears? Uh, and can they continue that? You'd expect that they would, but, you know, again, potential banana skin. The later games are a little bit more tasty, though. Uh, the midsection, um, although at the moment, if I'm reading this right, there are only two games.
0: Yep, that's what happens when you get the, the bye weeks. Big bye and, uh,
1: week, yeah. And let's be honest, there's not even one from the earlys that you would be like, ooh, let's flex that out. Um, Cardinals, Seahawks, and but Bucks-Rams is actually quite an interesting the,
0: game. The later games on the Sunday are quite intriguing from a if you lose this, you might be finished mm. for the Cardinals. If the Cardinals lose to the Seahawks, they're in a fair bit of bother. <laughs> And whoever loses that Rams-Bucks game is in a right world of shit. Yes.
1: Um, Chiefs-Titans, then, on Sunday Night Football is an interesting game because the Titans look like they're going to be winners of that division. Derek Henry's back in full form. Does a run game like that cause the Chiefs damage throughout a game or can they deal with it? So... I think it's got a bit of intrigue, and then Saints Ravens on Monday night football is that an interesting game? Do we think
0: Andy Dalton has caused me too much pain in my life to be overly confident about that game? <laughs> <laughs> two, two or three times he ended the Ravens' season in Week 17, so I would I would feel a lot better about that game if Jameis was starting, which I'm sure is music to Paul's ears. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Jay are we going to see Jameis again this season? The way it's going. Uh probably because at some point Dalton's gonna Andy Dalton, I think,'s played all right, actually, to be fair to him. But at some point he's probably gonna start to not play particularly well.
3: He's, he's he's been he's been very Andy Dalton. He's he's not absolutely dreadful, but you're just waiting, aren't you? You're just waiting for that moment, and then he he hardly ever recovers when the moment arrives. Um
1: Okay, uh, it's
3: it's an, an
1: okay week eight. This is the, sorry, week nine. This is the point where it is like bye week, start to knock some of the good teams out. Okay, anything else to add or on to other news?
0: Other than this week, I think we move on and talk
1: trades. Let's talk trades hmm. because it was a fascinating trade deadline day. The kind of which we are normally treated to when it comes to football here on this little island uh, and our multiple leagues. But this had a lot of blockbuster moves happening right at the wire that, you know, Jim White would have been all over back in the day. But was there anything there that we think genuinely moved the dial in a substantial
0: manner? I think the... Bradley Chubb trade was interesting. It was a big one.
1: Do you think that was the biggest one? Do you think that the was that the one that intrigued you the most? Like the one that caught me was T.J. Hawkinson moving in division to the Vikings. Yeah,
0: and they they traded uh, when the Lions moved up for Jameson Williams. Yeah. in the draft in the first round. Um, that was in that was with the Vikings as well. So they're quite comfortable doing that. Um I, I just it's one of those ones they weren't gonna re-sign him. So get something for him. You're getting like a kind of swap of picks. Thought both so the interesting there's like an interesting wrinkle to both that and the Ravens trading for Roquan Smith because the Vikings and the Ravens gave up second round picks. But if they don't re-sign those players then the following year they'll probably get a third or fourth round pick back. So they're potentially getting like a half season rental in a season where they think they might be able to compete to drop down a round in the draft, which I think is quite interesting. Don't necessarily agree with it, but I think it's quite it's quite interesting. Now teams are always looking for like that appears to be a new way that some NFL teams are trying to find an edge when it comes to trades. Like, oh, okay, let's go and let's get a guy for nine games, see if he helps us we're not going to pay him 20 million a year but someone else will and then we'll get we'll get that pick back the following year. Mm.
1: I thought that was the interesting one with the the trade with Hawkinson is that fine you know the Detroit get a second round next year Lions send back a fourth so the Vikings aren't down a pick it's just much later. Um same for 2024 in TD because there's a conditional fourth round pick goes to Minnesota Detroit receives a third round pick. So actually the Vikings aren't down picks, they're just down placement. So, you know, if that works out well, clearly a position of need with Irv Smith going on IR for probably next six to eight weeks. And if the Vikings are going to make a run at this season, they've gone and got a very good tight end who actually may thrive in a new location. How do you feel about how much though that was given up for Roquan Smith? Um,
0: uh, I hate
1: it. So a second, a fifth, and AJ Klein is AJ oh, Klein I, a loss? Don't
0: no. don't remotely care about the fifth or AJ Klein. I just don't like, and th- this is what I mean. So like, if they get the third round back, then effectively, you know, they've they've traded a second and a fifth to get half a year of Raquan Smith and then a third round pick back. Like, I I just same way I felt when they drafted J.K. Dobbins in the second round. I just don't like using a pick that can be really valuable on a player at a position that's relatively devalued compared to other positions. Like they could have used that second to go and try and get Jerry Judy from the Broncos, perhaps. That was apparently what the Broncos were looking for, was a two and a five. That would have been a great trade. And I I think he makes their defense better. Uh I'll be far more annoyed if they re-sign him at this point. Because I I don't think he's consistent enough to be worth what he wants, which is about twenty million a year.
1: Because other people needn't played in uh, paid in Baltimore as well. So does it create a headache there or not so much?
0: No. So that that's the interesting thing though. For so I saw someone say the person this trade works out the best for is Roquan Smith because what he didn't want was the Bears to franchise tag him the Ravens aren't going to franchise tag him because they're going to have to franchise tag Lamar unless they get a deal done there. So um, if I was the Ravens, though, as soon as that Saints game's done, by week time, sit down with Lamar, give him five years guaranteed, let him sign it. Just stop, stop arsing about because it, it quite clearly is impacting them a bit this season. Just, just pay him. At some point, you know you're going to pay him and he's going to wind up pretty much getting guaranteed money anyway. You might as well just pay him.
1: The Bears then go and use a different second-round pick, or maybe the same. There's been conflicting reports to go and get Chase it's, Claypool. It's,
0: it's their, it's their pick has been confirmed. It's their
1: pick, which yeah. is
0: probably a higher pick
1: than well, it will be a higher pick than the Ravens one, right? Yeah, and it will be a
0: high a, second round. Also, be a higher pick than what Claypool was picked with. And mm. since he's, since he's come into the NFL, I don't think he's done anything that would make you think. I need to pay more than he was drafted for.
1: So a bit of desperation for the Bears possible. I mean, go and get a wide receiver who is who can be capable. We've seen flashes. He's not a bust, but yeah, it's an interesting one nonetheless. Obviously, you compare that to the trade that the Chiefs put in. And Jamie, get your take on this one. Obviously, it's Kadarius Tony for a 2023 third round compensatory pick and a sixth round pick
3: don't. I don't I think what? it's a bad deal for either party. Tony wasn't gonna to work at the Giants. Um they couldn't trust him. The Shane and Dable didn't draft him. They wasn't he wasn't their guy, and they clearly ran out of patience. Um and by all accounts Kansas City were quite keen on him um back when he was drafted that so they're a guy he's a guy that they um, had scouted a lot, and that they had quite high on their board. Um, he's got a chance. He's definitely got a chance to work there. Maybe the environment will be better for him, but uh, he clearly wasn't willing or able to do the things that New York wanted of him. So, um, I like him from a Giants perspective. Two more, two more picks. The third is pretty valuable. I think it gives them nine picks next year. So that's enough to um to maybe move some pieces around as well. Yeah, yeah. It was it was good. And I also like the fact that the Giants just stuck, didn't pay what um Denver were asking for Jerry Judy and just said no, they're, they're just sticking with the plan, which is even if they're winning right now, um, they're still dynamiting this roster come the end of the year.
1: Would you have liked to have seen them go and try and get Elijah Moore already in the building in the vicinity and uh, knows the stadium? Obviously, once out of the green side of New Jersey, MetLife, New York, whatever. Um, would that have been an avenue that they might have gone down?
3: Uh, you know, <laughs> it depended on the price. I, they need help on um, wide receiver, but also I don't think that they're. Massively concerned with winning now. Um, that's more of a bonus. There's such um, huge parallels with uh, when Joe Shane came in as assistant GM at Buffalo 2017 with Brandon Bean. And um, I think the Bills went nine and seven, made to the postseason, got knocked out in the wild cards, and then they still completely. Overturned the roster, and they had a couple of losing seasons. Winning right now is is a is a bonus. It shows that there's something underlying that's good. But they're not going to deviate from the plan. They're not going to suddenly go, oh, we've got the guys here, and all we need is all we are is a couple of trades for wide receivers away from competing. They still know that they need to, um, um, basically completely completely change the um, talent that they have. And they need picks for that. Um, and trades will just take away those picks and land with the players that um, it would probably cost them too much to get them where they want to be. Both- I think if you're giant Giants
0: fan, you should be really excited just now
3: because they seem to be
0: smart enough to know that, yes, this season's going really well and that's great, but they're not leaping into the hype only to you know go out in the second round of the playoffs or whatever it is, and then still be like, oh, what do we actually have at quarterback and stuff? Like yeah. I think they've, they're they set up. I think Brian Dable looked like a great hire when they hired him, and he looks even better now. So if you're going to blow up a roster, that's probably the coach that you want to have around.
3: What do you guys yeah, think? They, they, they seem completely dead set on the way forward, and all they've done so far is show that they really know how to coach. Um, and the next part is putting all the pieces in place for that really, the really good coaching to actually have talent to coach. Um, yeah, I think it's exciting. It's really interesting hearing Joe Shane talk about well, it's the bye week. So if we're going to have talks about maybe reaching a decision with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, then it will be this week. Um, I doubt either of them is going to commit right now. I think they're both going to say we we're going to we're, we're going to focus on football to the end of the year. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if there is any movement from that, whether working this long with Dable might change their perspectives when it comes to sit down and talking about a contract.
1: So that was the question I was going to ask there. Do you, what do you think the lack of a pickup of wide receiver says about the long-term future of Daniel Jones in this roster? Uh, do you think that this is a case of we'll run with what we've got, Um, and see exactly how good we are and what the gaps are and if we lose a couple of games so be it because it's going to put us in a better position to get one of the top quarterbacks coming out of college this year or do you think this is genuinely a move towards making this a Daniel Jones team and do you think they'll proactively chase him to try and get him to sign a contract
3: I think a lot of it will come down to Daniel Jones's attitude to talks Um, I mean he clearly wants to stay, he's putting an unbelievable amount of um work and he has done it. I don't think he could have actually done much more um to try and persuade them that, that he's their guy. Um but I'm not sure if it's gonna be enough. I think I think that if he's you know, if he's looking for comparable to starters who Come out of the rookie contract and look for their first big payday. Um, if the Giants are looking at quite a high first round pick, I could see them putting a tag on them for a year, and and um, waiting and waiting to see where they where they land a the year after that. Um, if it's the other option would be that they that they just move on and they just get uh, some sort of veteran help bridge player um, while they while they wait for the right piece to move in. But I don't know. It's quite that whole side of it is quite complex at the moment because they really have no idea where they're going to be drafting and all the rest of it. They'll have they'll have their plan for for two three separate scenarios there. I don't think they'll be concerned about holding on to Jones. I think there's considerably worse options out there. I just don't think that they're going to we really want to be tied to them for five years.
1: Yeah, indeed. Interesting times ahead on that one. The one other thing that happened a lot here was a bunch of running backs moved places. Not necessarily any starting running backs, though. And I want to just question who's made the best upgrade out of these teams. So the Broncos get Chase Edmonds as part of the Bradley Chubb deal. The Dolphins then go and get Jeff Wilson from San Francisco. Um, and then there's a trade between the Colts and the Bills where Naeem Hines heads to Buffalo in exchange for Zach Moss and a conditional fifth round. Who who takes the biggest step forward with that? And which one feels the most kind of pointless?
0: I don't think anyone takes a big step forward, but it probably just gives the bills a little bit extra as well, and that's probably why they did it. They're already yeah. like all the way up there roster wise. Mm-hmm. And is that more different.
1: about Heinz's receiving game than his yeah. running game? Yeah,
0: yeah,
3: yeah, I, uh, yeah. I like Heinz in terms of his dual threat and everything, and yeah, it's a fifth... But plus Moss, that they'll give up, it's not a huge amount for something that maybe just gives them a tiny little bit of extra edge, something just something else to get people worried about as if they needed it.
1: I mean, Moss had his chance to beat Singletary and didn't really take it right. Singletary's their number one back. They've got Cook there, who's their rookie, that they can maybe try and use as a slightly bigger back. Hines maybe does give them an option. Jeff Wilson's an interesting one, obviously. Uh, obviously, he's the falling piece out of Christian McCaffrey going to San Francisco. Um, I, he's he's proven very capable as a running back. Mike McDaniel's obviously knows what he's getting, so it might work out really well. Much like it's worked out really well for Mostert there. Um, they've obviously given away Chase Edmonds. That felt like a bit of a funny one with Denver. I think like Latavius Murray, Melvin Gordon. They're doing nothing great, but nothing horrific. I'm not sure that Chase Edmonds is anything any better than those two guys.
0: No, I don't think so. He's not particularly good this year anyway. So that that was the one that, I mean, it's just, it's adding, you No, know, you're losing Chubb from the roster. Okay, let's get our third running back. But <laughs> it, it's not exactly one that, well, one that's tough to move the needle on a team that's not really going anywhere anyway. Boss.
1: Yes. Yeah. Fine. So, a couple of other trades that took place. Obviously, Dean Marlowe returns to Buffalo. The Falcons gave him up, but the Falcons then got Rashad Fenton, which felt like a salary dump more than anything coming out of the Chiefs. Calvin Ridley is the only other one that we haven't really talked about. Um, Obviously, banned this entire season, goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a 20. 20- 23 conditional fifth round draft pick. Fine, okay, it's interesting. And then a 24 conditional second round draft pick. I, 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 a funny one to me for the Falcons to be looking at the 2024 20, draft and a second round pick there
0: already. Well, it's all like conditional though, isn't it? So it's not yeah. like, and it, it's basically just they'd accepted they weren't going to be keeping them. So they're moving them on. My, my favorite wrinkle to that trade is that Calvin Ridley got suspended for betting on the Falcons to beat the Jaguars. (laughs) And he's now been traded to the Jaguars.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, so interesting one there, nonetheless. Obviously, it depends on how Ridley bounces back after his year off. Obviously not a health thing or a ped thing or anything like that, but yeah. That's the movers and the shakers, but certainly one of the more interesting trade deadlines this year. Um, any other news items taking your fancy this week?
0: Uh, the commanders might be up for sale.
1: That does feel like the biggest story that's breaking in the NFL at the moment. After Dan Schneider has said the uh, reportedly said that he's got evidence on other owners and all that jazz now they are looking at options to sell is the writing on the ball and on the ball it might be on the ball but is it on the wall for schneider do you think
0: I, i mean the fact that they are they've hired a firm to look into sales be it full sales or partial sales they're kind of open to basically exploring the options which would kind of suggest that look if they can get a good offer and it's an NFL franchise, so I think I saw he paid one billion for the team. in the In the current market, he's probably going to get four to five billion in return, like a four or five times return on an NFL team that is becoming a bit of a nightmare for you to keep. It's sorry, it's, right. it's all right if you can get it. It
3: is all right. if it heralded the end of the banter years in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Snyder just seems like such a sound guy as well (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Other news we need to talk about, David Ojabo has been activated off of IR Yes, It is Ojabo time uh, and Scotland's interest peaks from just being the NFC to now the AFC, obviously people in Scotland are interested, I, I get it, you know what I'm trying to say, we've got three Scottish players playing in the league, come on but, you know, we've got one in the AFC, we've got two at the Giants. Um, this is definitely going to spark some interest in some storylines as he starts to make some appearances in the NFL. The the Smith trade, do you think that has any impact on what the Ravens have brought
0: Ojabo in to do? No. He was always going to brought in to be a rush guy. So the way the Ravens' defense is set up, Tyus Bowser, who's the other guy who's coming back mm. off um, the PUP list, whatever it was, um, he's the guy who plays a little bit more in coverage. Ojabo will rush the passer mainly. I think, though, it's going to be interesting. I think the earliest you see him is the week after the bye. And it might even be a little bit later than that. Like I think they'll bring him along slowly. They might just have him as a third-down pass rusher for this year to let him get back up to speed. It's earlier than I thought. I thought at best you'd see him in December. And maybe you still won't see him until December. But um, the fact that you know, his it, it, Achilles tear or pop, whatever it was, was what, like eight months ago or something like that. Um, so it's great, it's great to see, and it'll be be really good to see him on the field. Yes, indeed.
1: Um, very excited to see that. We will, of course, be tracking it. We'll be sharing anything. We will reach out to the Ravens again to see if we can get a conversation with David at some point. He's obviously been very focused on his recovery uh, and getting. Abuse from Marlon Humphrey on Instagram, uh, which was also something I saw on social media. But you know, we'll uh, we'll try and get in touch with David. We're definitely going to be watching that with great interest. One other news item that happened, not NFL, but XFL. Uh, We saw earlier this week that the eight team names have been revealed. There's been some jiggery pokery taking place and the couple of team name changes, couple of location changes. Your eight teams, if you've not been following this at home, are the Arlington Renegades, the DC Defenders, the Houston Roughnecks, the Orlando Guardians that were the New York Guardians, the San Antonio Brahmas, I'm sure that's got nothing to do with the fact that the Rock's in charge. By far the best name. Seattle <laughs> Sea Dragons, rather than just the Dragons, they've added the word sea because what they'll do is they, they think that the Seattle fans will just jump at any bandwagon. if it's, And we know that they will. Um, the St. Louis Battle Hawks, the big name change that, that there was, it was a capital H in Hawks. That's now just a lower K-H. Um, So there you go. It's good to see that The Rock is respecting grammar, and I salute that. Uh, And then finally, the Vegas Vipers, because Vegas is the hottest show in town now for football. So they are your eight teams that will be taking part. Uh, The XFL is due to begin on the 18th of February, 2023. We're not that far away from that, gentlemen. We are not that far away. I have no idea um, how we're going to see it, uh apparently all 43 games are going to be televised or streamed on a Disney or ESPN platform. So maybe we'll see it on Disney Plus.
0: Fun fact on not sure how we'll see it. I don't intend to.
1: Ah, what? <laughs> the rocks in charge. It's gonna be great. Um I will do my usual thing. I'll watch a couple of games if they're at reasonable times and then I'll get moaned in the ear saying, I thought this finished when the Super Bowl was over uh, and we'll be putting it over to Strictly or some other pitch that I can kind of get away from during the autumn months. But there you go. Okay. I think that's probably the full-time whistle for episode 208. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this and every single episode at Scotland NFL on Twitter. Search us out on other social media channels. Let us know your thoughts. Just share your views. We love to hear them. Keep them coming. Uh, We'll be back again next week to pick apart all the PCs. We are going to safely get Paul back from Turkey, we think. Uh, he may be used as a bargaining chip to get some grain out of Ukraine but we'll see about that Uh, and then if anybody knows the whereabouts of Charles Patterson please let us know we haven't seen him for weeks
0: oh he will be fine the the Packers are going to get a win against the Lions this week and all of of a sudden he's going to pop up
1: he'll pop up (laughs) yes yes Um, give him all the abuse he deserves thanks for taking the, the time to listen but until next time bye for now